So I get to work for a missions organization and we support local, national uh, workers around the world. And so we actually have three partners in Guatemala and I took our team and we went and visited all three sites. So I want to just give you a really brief overview of those three people and then we're going to have, have uh, individuals from our, from our team come up and share uh, what they saw and how they experienced this trip. So the first place we went to is based in Antigua, and it's a partner, uh, a friend of mine named Luis Castillo. We were there for the first five days, and Luis, is, uh, he set up a ministry. He reaches thousands of high school students. He's been invited into the public school system to teach uh, a values class, and it's Christian values based on the scriptures, and it's one of the ways in which the government is trying to uh, encourage Christian morality in the, in, the, in the country. So it's a really great program. And so we got to be there uh, we saw, I think we taught 22 different classes in six different schools. Uh, we had some fantastic teachers that were there, and Betty's going to come up and share a little bit more about that later on. But we got to see Luis's ministry for four days, got to see his teachers in action, got to encourage some of the teachers, got to get into the schools and see what life is like for the kids, what the schools are like. Um, our youth and our kids and some of our adults spent piles of time playing dodgeball and hanging out with the kids while the teachers were inside teaching the values class. And... Um, that was great. Then we moved on. We took a four-hour drive to a place called Panahachel, where our second partner is. And uh, their name is Gregorio and Candelaria. And Shane's going to come up and share about that ministry in a little while. These guys, it, it's a much different ministry. Instead of focusing on thousands of kids, they focus on 27 kids. And it's a scholarship fund for 27 kids. Uh, it starts at, the kids kind of start at age 12 to 13, and they go right through till, um, right, right up until they're adults essentially, and it's a, it's a program that really focuses on changing uh, cycl cyclical issues of poverty and family uh, issues, and so it's really about raising up young people, teaching them English, teaching them values, teaching them Christianity, and really trying to break the cycles of poverty, and all of these, um, all of these youth come from very poor Mayan villages up in indigenous communities, and it's a ministry that really focuses on, uh, on bringing change, holistic change, to, to the individuals and to the families and to the community. And so you're going to hear about that. We got to spend two days uh, learning about that ministry and serving there. And then on our last day, we took a boat across a beautiful lake, and we got to see a medical clinic in action. And so uh, Dr. Francisco, we're going to have Flo come up and talk about that. Dr. Francisco gives up a pile of his time to uh, serve indigenous people who can't otherwise afford uh, good medical care. And uh, Flo's going to tell more about that. We got to bring down 15 bins of medical supplies um, donated from the Abbotsford Hospital. And we carried with them with us through the plane, the airports and all that through the whole trip and then got them on the boat and then went and delivered it to him. But it was thousands of dollars of equipment that would otherwise be thrown away here in Canada that came to that is a huge blessing for them there. And so I'm sure Flo will talk a little bit about that. So that's just kind of an overview of the trip, and you're going to get a bit more of a picture of each one of those ministries uh, as the morning progresses. So what we're going to do is Morley's put together a fantastic video to give you just a visual of the trip as a whole. And so as this video is being played, we're going to take our offering. So I'm going to invite the ushers to come forward. And as always, if you are a guest or a visitor here, please feel no pressure to give. This is for those who call this church their home and want to contribute to the mission and the ministry of Willow Park Church. So uh, I want to just pray. Thank God for a great trip. Thank you guys for supporting us and for being behind us. And uh, thank God for the many provisions that he's given us. Let's pray. Lord, we are grateful for who you are and that we can gather here uh, in this country to worship you. We have so much. 
And uh, sometimes we forget that and we thank you. We thank you for your many blessings. Thank you for a safe trip. Thank you for a productive and a fruitful trip, Lord. And we thank you for the ways that you uh, are at work around the world. God, and we do pray your blessing upon the ministries that we saw there. Pray that your kingdom would continue to come in Guatemala and around the world, God. And we pray specifically for your kingdom to continue to come here on our own country and our own community, God, that we want to see uh, we want to see your name proclaimed. We want to see people come to faith. We want to see your church grow, Lord. And so that's what we are praying for today. In Jesus' name, amen. There's got to be more than going back and forth From doing right to doing wrong Because we were taught that's who we are Come on, get in line right behind me You along with everybody is worth and what you do Then like a hero who takes the stage when we're on the edge of our seat saying it's too late Well let me introduce you to amazing grace No matter the bumps No matter the bruises No matter the scars like this and wrap him up in righteousness but that's exactly what he
Thanks to Morley for building that video. He always had his camera out and spent his evenings working on that. It was, uh, gives you a good picture into what we were doing and where we were. I want to invite uh, Betty Thibodeau. She's going to share about the first ministry we were at with Luis, where the focus is very much in the high schools and in the elementary schools and teaching the values classes in the public school. So Betty's making her way down. And during soup, if you see people wearing things that look Guatemalan, I want you to talk with them and ask them questions. They're all kind of prepared to share their stories with you. So, Good morning. Okay, so after I got home, I had a little bit of a rest. And then I thought a lot about this incredible mission that I had uh, a chance to be a part of. And I did some writing, especially about the children and about the amazing impact, oh, the amazing impact that Lewis is having on their young lives. And I'd like to share this uh, writing with you. And I think there's some pictures up there that you can take a look at. So here we go. No matter which country you visit, our Heavenly Father's children are loving and beautiful. That was apparent in the children we had an opportunity to teach in Antigua, Panichel, and in Guatemala. We taught two to eight classes every day, 22 in total, with the aid of an interpreter about the values from the curriculum that Luis has developed based on principles from the Bible. The curriculum is an amazing achievement on its own as he has designed both teacher instruction and student workbooks. In our province, curriculum is written mostly at the Ministry of Education level in Victoria. I have nothing but respect for Louise and what he's doing for these children. Two of the values we were asked to teach were about achieving your potential and forgiveness. Six of us taught the lesson which lasted 30 to 45 minutes. For example, the lesson on potential, we showed them an example of how all of us have potential to do well in something. Larry showed the class how Marianne encouraged him to learn how to juggle balls. They loved this demonstration and some students got a chance to try it at the end of the lesson. We're gonna have a demo today, Larry? No, okay, <laughs> maybe another day. Each student wrote down what they thought they had the potential to be good at and took it home to place in their Bible. They were to pray to God to help them reach their potential. The Bible verse that Hugh read to them, they repeated in Spanish, and some of it wrote it, them wrote it down in their notebooks. Almost all the children had a Bible. Valuable lessons for life as written in the Bible. While we were teaching, the rest of our group played organized games on the school courtyard. It just looked like so much fun, all the students interacting and having a great time together. We also spent a morning doing some in-service for their teachers, showing them teaching techniques that we use in Canada. Most of their instruction is direct instruction, so we taught them some cooperative techniques which focus on children learning from each other. In spite of rudimentary classrooms and limited teaching supplies or resources, Guatemalan children can best be described as joyful. That is the word that comes to mind when I think of them, joyful. The students are enthousi 
optimistic about having us in their classrooms, and they especially love their teachers, Michelle and Lou Louise. Uh, they are cooperative as opposed to competitive, cheering each other on with clapping and chants. They probably know how to do this as a result of having been raised in a home with six or seven siblings. They communicate by talking and interacting with each other. The girls especially like to giggle. And it's re it was so refreshing to see children not engaged in electronic devices, but engaged in each other. We went to both rural and urban schools. In the rural schools, the younger children attended in the morning while the afternoon is spent in the fields. The boys hold the plants and the girls carry water to them. In the rural schools, the children wore their traditional dress and in the city schools, the students had uniforms. In Guatemala City, we had to be escorted single file into the school. It's the second most dangerous city in the world due to gangs and the drug cartel. One afternoon, we visited some members of Lewis's church that he is planting in a small community who were in need of prayer. We were invited to, into their homes where they shared their different stories of hardships. As an example, we spoke to mothers who wanted prayers for the children. One had a brain tumor, another suffered from blurred vision, while a third child was starting to stutter. We laid our hands upon these mothers and called upon God to lay a healing hand on their children. It was an emotional time as some of these people cried while we prayed for them. And I think some of us were crying too. As Louise believes, children need to struggle when they are young so they will appreciate their adult years. These children struggle, but they are not suffering. They are moving themselves up through education and their belief in our Heavenly Father. They will achieve their potential, and Louise can take credit for being part of their success story. In closing, I would like to say that supporting Louise and his ministries is directly benefiting these children. I realize that now more than ever, having had the opportunity to be there. I have nothing but respect for him after seeing what he's doing for these children. Finally, I would like to close by saying that it's obvious that God's love for his children has no boundaries. We were, we were incredibly blessed to have Betty and Marianne and Larry, uh, highly experienced teachers along with us on this trip because we ended up doing a lot of teaching and they kind of took control of all that and uh, did a fantastic job. What a blessing they were. I want to invite up Shane to come on up and talk about our second ministry that we got to visit with Gregorio and Candelaria. And uh, Shane, Shane was fantastic on the trip. Everybody was. But Shane was always the guy, if there was like a big clump of kids huddled around doing something, with Shane in the middle of it. He was, kids just uh, loved him. So, yeah. So, Shane, tell us about uh, ministry number two. Well, I, uh, I chose to share about Gregorio and Candelaria's ministry because it really showed me the impact that one person can make when they're working with God through them. Like Chris said, these guys, they take in kids who have like above average dedication to education. They got a lot of drive to want to learn, but a lot of them don't have any financial support or, or a lot of them, uh, they don't have their parents' support. Um, in Guatemala, a vast majority of the kids are pulled out of school in grade three 
because their parents figure they've learned to read, they've learned to write, they've learned their basic arithmetic, and that's, that's good enough. Most, most students don't make it past grade six. Um, this happened to Gregorio and Candelaria themselves. Gregorio was, he started selling bracelets in the market in Panicelle at the age of six, and because uh, he wasn't happy with the product he was selling, he became a qualified tailor by the age of 12. <laughs> um, then, but when they, Candelaria had the same problems at home, her parents weren't giving her financial support because they believed that girls weren't meant to go to school, that was just for the boys in the family. So these two, they, they put themselves through school and they, they ended up getting married and together they uh, started a business teaching Spanish to foreign students or people in uh, Panachel after they taught themselves how to speak English using a Spanish-English dictionary, that is. With the money from the new business, they found that they had a desire to start giving back to their community, so they uh, started providing tuition, transportation, and a learning center for 20 to 27 kids. Um, in return, the kids are expected to turn around and teach younger children in their own communities. They spend their mornings teaching these younger children, then they spend their afternoons and evenings at the learning center learning themselves, and their Saturdays are also dedicated completely to, to study, to furthering their education. It's an amazing approach to empowering the people. Some, some of these communities that these kids are from started showing the desire to have their own schools in their communities, and through Gregorio and Candelaria, and of course the community themselves, they've actually established three schools throughout the indigenous Mayan communities around the Panachel area. Um, nothing is free though. The, the building of the schools is mostly funded by Gregorio and Candelaria themselves. The, the tools, the supplies and stuff. The, the government of Guatemala provides some skilled labor, like electricians, plumbers, that kind of thing but uh, mostly it comes from the community themselves. They, I remember they were telling us a one story how they wanted uh, like a courtyard made in their school and they, Gregorio and Candelaria said, okay, if you guys can get the land flattened out, then we'll come in and we'll pour concrete. And I think they, it was just, like I said, a courtyard. I think they actually built, um, oh yeah, they built a septic system there. So the, the plumbing would actually go through a septic system instead of just spilling out on the curbs and going down to the lake. Um, it took them a weekend, and I guess the community, they went and they hired excavators, and they completely cleared it out, and it was ready to go after two days. <laughs> now, just an example of the impact that these people are making is every year, the Guatemalan government gives roughly 20 scholarships to, for students in Guatemala to attend college in the U.S. Well, Gregorio and Candelaria have been getting three to five of these scholarships every year. That's, that's 20 to 25 students compared to all the students in Guatemala. Another program they're doing is they're trying to promote nutrition. All three of the schools that they've planted, they have uh, gardens built there that the kids plant and tend themselves. They provide a healthy snack every day for a roughly, I think it was roughly 6,000 students or something in these three schools. We, we had an example of that. It was like a flour corn tortilla with beans baked in and then like a cream of wheat type porridge. I don't think it was actually cream of wheat, but that's the best, the best um, description I could give of it. Very healthy, but yet simple and cheap. 
they're also taught to wash their hands before and uh, brush their teeth after. It was pretty cute seeing like 50 students run down to the bathroom after this with their little bowls because you can't drink the water there, right? They have to use bottled water or filtered water and toothbrush. And we were watching them brush their teeth actually as we were driving away from the school. Um, as a prize for reading and comprehending five books, Gregorio and Candelaria give their students a fruit tree to provide food for their families for years to come instead of money or an ice cream or something like that. Like I said, it's a very holistic, lasting ministry that they're doing down there. And, and the most beautiful thing is through their, their whole ministry, it's a, a gentle undertone of the love of God and his son. You know, I heard no preaching in the day that we spent with Gregorio and Candelaria. Yet when uh, Hugh asked them how many of the students own a Bible, every one of them put their hand up. And uh, he shared a Bible verse with them. I think it was Philippians 4.13. And it was kind of funny because as soon as the translation started, all of the kids' faces lit up, big smiles, and they all finished the, the verse for us. And, uh, and lastly, um, something that I'll have with me forever, and I, I know this will touch Doug, is they... Uh, they sang Good, Good Father for us. And afterwards, we got a chance to give every one of them a hug. And there was a, a little boy that I had helped teach English. And I could see he was just holding back tears like, like I do so often. And I just wanted to grab him and hold him and tell him that it's okay. It's just God healing you. <laughs> you know, I, I can only hope to to start to have the dedication and the drive that these people have down there. It's, it's just amazing. Thanks, Shane. This is a picture of the scholarship students. There's 26 of them, I believe, that we got to spend a day with and just get to know them and teach them English and just hear their stories. And it was, it was a fantastic day. Uh, I want to invite up Flo Cronstall. Flo is part of Lake Country Alliance Church, but she came on this trip with us, and we're so grateful she did. She is a nurse, and I think one of the most exciting parts of this for you was going to see the medical clinic with Dr. Francisco. So I'm going to hand it over to you. Hi, everybody. It was my privilege and pleasure to join this trip, that's for sure. So the last stop that we made was to the um, medical clinic that we took the boat across the lake to. And prior to going to this medical clinic, well, I'll just show you the picture here. It's just very rudimentary. It's in the previous uh, family home of Dr. Francisco, right in the center of the village. And it's just a, a four-room, very small concrete house is what it is. And this would be the operative theater this is the waiting room, the room that you come into. This is the operative theater. That's the waiting room. <laughs> so very simple, um, very, I don't know, like I'm thinking 60s type supplies in there. It's just uh, the, you know, the uh, operative theater is just a simple oxygen tank. There's a very, very old IV pump. There's minimal supplies. And um, uh, they do operations like um, gallbladders and appendectomies and uh, uh, hernias, just very simple things like that. They bring in an uh, anesthetist, and the anesthetist just uses the oxygen tank that's there and some intravenous anesthetic, and away they go. 
uh, very, very, very low infection rates. Um, Dr. Francisco said that his colleagues are really jealous of all his Canadian supplies and, and uh, that they just have a really good rate for all their, their um, procedures. Could I have the next slide? <clears throat> so this is the room where the deliveries happen. Most uh, babies are delivered at home through midwives. And uh, if there's any complications, they come into this center and the bed that uh, Dr. Francisco is against is the delivery bed. And the other bed is the recovery bed. So you can see how tiny the facility is, uh, how very simple it is. It's just the bare, bare bones. Uh, next slide. So there is uh, under construction a new surgical facility that is the dream of Dr. Francisco and he showed me the plans that he has and there's pages and pages and pages so I just took a couple of pictures because I think it's so inspiring that he's got this amazing dream of, of this wonderful facility for his people and um, the really uh, interesting thing about Dr. Francisco, he's not the only doctor in the area but he's the only doctor that speaks the the Mayan language of that community. So this is, this is a community that he was born and raised and he speaks the uh, indigenous language, which is one of 22 indigenous languages in Guatemala. He is the only physician that can speak to people in their own language. Many people do not even speak Spanish. So he's got a real opportunity and his goal is teaching healthcare. He says he'd rather teach healthcare rather than write prescriptions. And uh, he, he's just got such a heart for his people that he spends Monday to Friday in his home community and uh, the weekends he practices in the city where he can make some money because really when he practices in his home community he's paid in produce and in uh, you know non-monetary ways so so it's really a labor of love that he's doing and this is uh, the beginnings of the new surgical clinic that is being built um, like I said there's extensive plans uh, it's a huge dream and he's He's really uh, operating on faith when he's stepping out and starting this construction. Two years ago, there was nothing at this site, and today it's, it's uh, up and coming. This is the first finished room of the facility, and this is the bins that we brought down. And each one of these bins weighs, I don't know how much, but they were pretty heavy. And it's, all the supplies in these bins has been provided by the Abbotsford Health District. Um, and there's a group um, called Connections in Abbotsford that has put them all together. And everything from baby blankets to surgical supplies and everything in between. Uh, it's just like Christmas morning for Dr. Francisco and his group when he opens these bins. It's, it's a huge encouragement to them to, for us to come, to support, to uh, you know, bring the supplies and to be aware and to be able to share what's going on there. It was a real privilege to, to be able to just see it even for a very short period of time and just so inspiring. It's, it, it opened my heart of compassion, that's for sure. This whole um, project that Dr. Francisco is involved with is really a family project. This is his family. His daughter that he's got his hands on there is 14 years old and she has delivered 10 babies already in her lifetime and her dream is to become a doctor like her dad. Her dad, uh, Dr. Francisco, was able to go to school in Guatemala for his medical training and then on to Salt Lake City as a result of scholarships and uh, his own parents sacrificing for his education and the parents and the brothers and sisters there have just 
come behind him and really supported his work as well. They put on a beautiful banquet for lunch for us. It was just such a humbling experience to be in his presence and to, to see his dedication. Thanks. I just want to say one more thing. It's a huge thanks to Chris for offering this opportunity for us. It was, it was just, uh, just such an honor to be able to go, and, and thank you so much, Chris, for giving us all the opportunity. I think we're going to invite up Larry. He's going to wrap this up for us and explain the cards that you have in your hands as you, hopefully most of you got them as you came in. I thought I should also explain my red shoes. I couldn't buy anything that would fit me in Guatemala, so I thought I would colorize my, uh, my, my costume this morning with some red shoes. Um, the cards that were handed out to you at the beginning, they come from the work that Maddie Postnikoff is doing down there. She teaches in uh, some of the um, Guatemalan public schools, teaches English to high school students. And one of their projects was to write a letter to Canada. So most of you received two when you came in. We would encourage you to take maybe another one or two when you leave, because I think we have about 200 of these. What I really wanted to explain, though, was you'll notice that it's kind of a form letter. And at the end, one of the last lines is, I would like you to, and on some of yours it might say, I would like you to play or for. I think one says, I would like you to project her for. That word should be prayer. Remember, she is teaching English, and they are beginners in learning it. So just wanted to explain that to you. You know, Bono, the lead singer for U2, and an, an outspoken Christian, once said, stop asking God to bless what you're doing. Get involved with what God's doing because it's already blessed. We had the opportunity to see people doing God's work, and they were certainly blessed in doing that. It was an amazing experience for us to go down there, and I think Marianne said it best in the week before we left when she said she was hoping that we would be humbled and inspired. And I think I can speak for all of us and say that that is something we certainly felt all throughout our trip there. And maybe the emphasis was on being humbled because the work these people are doing is absolutely amazing. And you can see that God is right along with them in everything that they're doing. It was incredibly inspiring to see what they're accomplishing. It was also really important for us to see how important it is to support local initiatives. These people are the ones who know what the needs are, they know how to get the facilities, they know the people, they know what to do. It was a tremendous privilege for us to walk alongside of them for a short time. And I just want to say thank you to Chris for all of the work he did in making it possible for the 20 of us to join him. I know that it's a lot more work than we can imagine because Chris is used to just heading down there by himself. And now we had 20 of us trailing along and doing all the things that 20 people who don't know what they're doing do. <laughs> and we did that well. And 
Try as we might, we could not find anything to complain about with Chris. And we really tried. You know, maybe he made a mistake here. No, he, he just did everything really, really well. And we're thankful for that. So I also should say thank you to, uh, to our congregation here for, I know, your prayers that went with us. We certainly appreciated that and we felt that. But I just ask you to continue to hold up Luis and Marilla, his wife, the work they're doing in the area around uh, Antigua, and also for, um, for Gregario and Candelaria and the work they're doing in Panahachel and the villages around there as well, and also for, um, for Dr. Francisco in that small village of San Pedro. These people truly are God's hands and feet on the ground in Guatemala. And I just want to close by saying it was an amazing privilege for us to be there. And thank you guys for making it, you know, being part of that. And again, Chris, thank you. It was a real privilege. Thanks. There's a lot more I could say, but I know that time is going uh, quickly. People keep asking me what my highlight was, and it's hard for me to pinpoint a specific moment, but if you would look at this picture, that's my highlight, was the team. It was such a great team, and um, if you've heard me speak at all here, you've heard me use the term intergenerational a lot. It is something that I've become incredibly passionate about, is the value of us being the church together and us drawing all age groups together. And that's exactly what happened on this trip. When people heard that I was bringing everyone from the youngest being age eight and the oldest being age 82, they thought I was absolutely crazy. They're like, what are you doing bringing that variety of a group? But it was an absolutely amazing trip because of that. Um, I was a youth pastor for a while, and if you read any of the research being done about faith that sticks, faith that sticks for kids and for youth, and they've interviewed piles of young adults, and they say, what are some of the common threads or the common themes about having a faith that's actually real for you, so you're not one of the 70% that walk away from faith at the, at the end of high school. Uh, there's some reoccurring themes in there. I wanna tell you about three of them that always come up in every research that's ever been done about this. The first one is the value of the larger church connection, that kids and youth need to feel like they're a part of something bigger than themselves. Not just having a great youth group, but feeling like they are connected to a larger church, that they belong and that they can get involved. Number two is service. As much as kids and youth need to have um, understanding and learning, they need to get their hands dirty, they need to serve, and they need to put, put into practice their faith. And then number three, and these aren't in order, number three is probably the most important one, and it happen, it's always number one in every study, it is the faith of the parents. Parents that don't just speak about the value of faith, but actually live it in front of their kids and actually model it to their kids. That is, that is the most important thing if you want your kids to choose faith when they leave home, is that you are a parent that actually models it. When I look at those three things, they intersected in this trip, right? We were together as a whole church, intergenerational. We were serving alongside one another, and all, most of our kids in our youth had their parents, and some of them even had their grandparents along where they got to serve side by side. So for me... I was so incredibly encouraged when I saw um, the work that God was doing within our own team and especially our kids and our youth um, because I so desire that our kids and our youth will grow up to uh, not only love Jesus but uh, to have that poured out in how they choose to live their life uh, when they're adults and how they have a worldview and how they have a missional perspective. And I see so much accomplished within this week with them and I'm so grateful 
um, to have this intergenerational church. And I want to encourage you, uh, if there are people that are interested in coming on a trip like this again, I'm happy to do this every year. And so if you're interested, um, you can come and talk to me and we can kind of put this together uh, for next year. But I just see such an incredible value on so many levels for the sake of our team and for, th- and for what you've heard already for the sake of the national workers down there and the encouragement and the blessing it is to them. So uh, that's all I'm going to say. There's much more that could be said. But I think you've gotten a pretty good picture of how the trip went and what we did.